Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, the brand new Google Podcasts app, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on location here in Nashville at the 2018 Summer NAM Show, my guest is based here and is originally from California. He is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, performing music in a lot of genres, American blues, roots, rock, and soul. We're going to have him talk all about that. And he's currently working on new music towards what will be his third release. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Chase Walker. Thanks so much for having me, Bruce. Yeah, you bet. Uh, before we get into all those things that I was starting to allude to, we were just playing a song of yours called New State of Mind. So tell the listeners all about that song. Yeah, so um, that was one of two real topical songs that I put on the last record that we just put out. Um, and I'd say that was probably the one that pissed people off the least. Um, <laughs> the least. Yeah, because we, we, we definitely got some, some backlash about uh, one of the other ones. But the interesting thing about it is that I wrote those songs. Um, they're about the controversy that was happening between the public and law enforcement. And I wrote those songs um, a couple months before everything really kind of blew up. I just... Uh, seen some Facebook videos and like Facebook posts about uh, different instances that had happened before it was like a really big thing in the news and then yeah like a couple months after I had uh, uh, a couple months after I had written it and I think while we were in the process of recording it that's when everything like really mm. blew up and uh, it became a big controversy so you just said it's the song that pissed people off the least that means obviously that there are songs that you've done that have piss people off a lot yeah. how does that make you feel uh as as a songwriter and as an artist is it is it i don't care because the bottom line is i want my music to evoke emotion from people or does it bother you when people get pissed off about one or more of your songs well the one that i wrote that pissed people off was kind of meant to piss people off but mm -hmm. that was because it was it was a song that was criticizing uh, an institution that a lot of people uh put a lot of faith in and um I think that if if you're not rubbing at least someone the wrong way, then I think you're not doing it right. You know, there's always the, the best people out there are always going to have haters, and they're always going to have you know people who who want them to do poorly. I guess. You know? Well, but I'm thinking of someone who's listening to the show that is an aspiring performer themselves and is saying, "Well, gosh, I would hate it if." I put a song out there that I put my heart and soul into. I mean, songwriters mm -hmm. always say, you know, these songs are their babies. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if someone's listening and saying, well, I wouldn't want to piss someone off with my song because that means that they don't like it and they're not going to buy it. Is it kind of what you just said? Like, look, you can't please all the people all the time. Or, or what would your advice be to, to that person? Well, really, I think that no matter what you do, especially if it's on the Internet, it's going to piss somebody off, you know. So you might as well just stick to the the things that you truly believe in and the the values that you actually hold and if you know 
I, I, I hear a lot of artists that say, like, they really want to stay out of politics on the Internet, right? And I think that, especially in today's political climate, it's important to have your own opinion about things, you know? And the people who can't get around the fact that you have your own opinion maybe just aren't the right kind of people to listen to your music, you know what I mean? But that's all right. Well said. Because there's billions and billions of people out there you know well said well said i always go out of my way when i introduce a guest to refer to them by as accurate as i can meaning as deep as thorough and i said that you're a singer songwriter guitar player and i'm always careful to make sure that i'm not leaving out like if someone says oh i actually play keyboards also i play piano but in your case i want people to know that you are a good guitar player i mean it's (laughs) not you know kind of one of these like yeah, I, you know, I play it, I accompany myself, but I just kind of get by. Listeners, Chase finished in second place in the this year, the 2018 Worldwide Lee Rittenauer Six-String Theory Guitar Contest. That's a, that's a mouthful. But I see the word theory in there. What, what exactly was this? Um, because was it about actual playing, or was it about something to do with theory? You know, honestly, all of those kinds of competitions are very subjective. Um, what it is is you you essentially just submit uh, videos of you playing, uh, and then they have okay. a group of judges that kind of pick the best that they, okay. they think is the best. Um, I never really enter those things, like, expecting to win, um, but it's crazy that I was able to get second place in that thing, man, because there's... You know, I've I've seen some of the other guitar players on there, man, and I didn't. I for sure didn't think I was the best. <laughs> um, but you know, it, again, it's it's very subjective. So someone might be playing you know, a million notes, and the judges might not like it as someone as much as someone who would be playing five notes. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Chase is also on the path to being very well-rounded. You attend Belmont University here in Nashville, a dual major, songwriting and music business. Yeah. That, that, that tells me that, that you're all in with, with this music thing for a career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, from a very early age, I understood that if you want to make money in the music industry, you have to treat it like your own personal business, you know. And uh, the, the people who can actually make a living and support themselves just by doing music, they don't, you know, screw around with, oh, I just want to do, I just want to do art. Because those are the people that get, you know, screwed over by you know uh scheming managers and you know people who steal their money you know what i mean so i didn't i wanted to make sure that i knew how to make myself successful on my own and not depend on anybody else to promote my career for me basically so another proof of how all in you are with the music career is as i said in the intro you're currently working on what will be your third album we were saying just before we started recording today that it will probably be an EP in yeah. 2018. Yeah, we're um, we have three singles recorded right now um, that are pretty much ready to to get to mastering. Um, so we'll be coming out with probably like a five song or so EP before the end of 2018. Um, but and we may even get more songs done than that. But um, I would say that a, that a pretty good likelihood is that the next album release will be sometime in 2019. Okay, okay. Would that be 
more songs in addition to the ones that get released on the yeah. EP this year? Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of songwriting and recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the goal really is to, to set it up where we can have stuff kind of coming out on a consistent basis because I really hate leaving people, you know, for years and years without new content, you know. So, so that's where we're trying to go. I'm also trying to set it up where I can record my own stuff in my own place so I don't have to depend on booking musicians and booking studio time you know so and, the, and that's where you're at now you're recording yeah. here in nashville yeah have you been in La- in nashville long enough to where you are picking your own players or is it i'm just going to the studio and deferring to their musicians well um i've lived in nashville or oh, i started at belmont in 2016 and i lived in nashville for about a year or so then i moved back to california um for a couple months just to do a little uh, a few uh, classes at my local community college you know it's it's quite a bit cheaper than than uh, Belmont <laughs> University even though Belmont is you know the best school to go to for the uh, for for being in the music industry it's uh it's not cheap that's for sure but um yeah I've I I've gotten to know quite a few musicians in the community around here um when I recorded at the at the rock house here which is actually in Franklin but you know, no one knows close Franklin enough. is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's close enough to Nashville. Um, I deferred to the musicians that they had just because uh, Kevin, who owns the Rock House and he plays keyboards with all kinds of people and all that, um, he's, he knows like crazy good musicians. So while I know plenty of people here that I could have used, he knew better musicians you know and in fact on this album that you're is ep this let's just say this recording project that you're currently in the studio working on you've got some very notable people that are playing on it go ahead and tell the listeners who i'm referring to so um the the guys that we used here while i recorded in nashville were the bass player and the drummer for the wallflowers for uh a number of years i guess um and they're both grammy award-winning artists and they they're just like we literally went into the studio and knocked it out in like three takes, and they're like, "All right, job's done. Hour and a half, it's all good, you know." Um, and then on another track that I recorded out in California, um, I was actually recording it in Real Big Fish's studio, which is a major ska band, and uh, the studio engineer there suggested that I could get the uh, the horn players from their band uh, to come in and just lay down some horn lines for one of the tracks. So. Uh, yeah, we uh, we got them in there, and man, it sounds like I've never I've never actually played with horn players before, but man, it's a it's a whole new sound, and I really like it. Listeners, you remember that just recently on episode two thirty, when my guest was Beebs, that she was talking about performing with Real Big Fish. Yeah. So here we go, coming full circle. Yeah, I met Beebs actually at that at that studio. Outstanding. Yeah. So. For the listeners who are aspiring performers that haven't gone into a studio to record yet, they've been recording at home and they're thinking going into a studio, these names that you're mentioning sound great, and I think people get excited at the prospect of meeting with, working with these people. Are you actually in the studio, or do they just come in and whenever it's good for their schedule and someone calls you up and says, oh, by the way, Chase, just so you know, you know, we got the horns today or we got the bass today, you know, these, these people that right. you're mentioning? Well, a lot of times what I try to do is, because I don't have an unlimited budget, I'm, I try to find, you know, sort of somewhat cheaper ways to record, and a lot of times that entails, you know, going in in the spare times when the studios have time to let me record, 
You know what I mean? If you got an unlimited budget, then you can pretty much. But I'm talking about when it's these quote unquote big name celebrity types, because I think, I think musicians here are, I think recording artists here. Wow. That would be really cool to record Mm -hmm. with somebody who is in the wallflowers. That would be really cool to record with somebody who played with real big fish. And they get this picture of the two of them being in the studio at the same time, becoming best friends. And now let's hang out (laughs) when in reality, maybe it's a case of, Oh, you don't actually get to meet the people. They just go in when it's convenient for them, when they're in town Mm -hmm. and they knock it out in an hour and no, you never actually see them. I think it's important for anyone who's bringing people in to work on their projects that they're, you know, in the room with them while they're doing it. Um, I guess it's, it's, I feel like it might be just a case by case basis. Um, with the wallflowers guys and the real big fish guys that happened because of, you know, I, I knew somebody who knew them. Um, so we were able to kind of book studio time based around when they were free. And then I could also come in, you know, so, so, I'm going to ask a question to get to the one that I really want to ask you. Yeah. On this one and on your previous two releases, are are you producing them or do you have a producer that's worked on these projects? Um, the two songs we recorded in California, I had, uh, well, I started them out producing them kind of by myself and somewhat with the uh, studio engineer, kind of working together with him. And then he suggested that I should bring in the uh, a buddy of his who is actually the drummer for Real Big Fish um, to help produce some of these songs and really make them uh, pop. Because as much as I've had experience recording so far, I don't know everything about you know how to make a song sound just right. So I think that especially when you're when you're starting out recording it's important to have a producer at least someone who knows you know did you have a producer on your first two albums or did you produce those yourself the first first album i produced by myself the second album i think about half the songs i had um a buddy of mine named gina mateo come in and help produce it and another good thing about having a producer um which is the reason why i wanted to bring in a producer for the last album um, is that you get like a new set of ears and someone who can look at it objectively who's never heard it before and say, oh, you need to do this, this, and this. You know what I mean? Okay, but where I was going with all this is that yeah. I love that you said before that you wanted to be in there when the horns were being tracked so yeah. that you could say, it's not exactly what I had in mind when I wrote the song. It's right. not really what I envision for how the finished song should sound. Right. And I love that you're doing that because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mm-hmm. think what I hear you saying is, Look, even if you're working with a producer, yeah, the buck still stops with you, yes. Mr. Yeah. or Mrs. Recording Artist, Mr. or Ms. Recording Artist. And if yeah. you hear something going on in the studio that you don't like, speak up. Oh, for sure. For sure. And um, you always want to make sure that if, if you have a producer, one, you, you want to be able to trust your producer that, that, ha- that they have the, the sound that you have in your head, in their head as well, for that track. But you definitely want to be in there whenever they're working on anything that's not uh, easily changeable. You definitely want to make sure to be in there to, to make sure that they're going in the right direction with it, you know. Um, so I guess as much as I love uh, being able to produce things by myself and, uh, and make it like an artistic masterpiece, there always needs to be someone in there that goes, that's way too much or that's way too little or 
um, especially if you're in the in the process of recording it, someone who can go, oh, you need you, you need to add a little more into this song just to make it go somewhere because the way it's sitting, the way you guys are tracking it right now, it's just staying in one area, you know. Well, not to mention that it sort of comes full circle with the whole idea of one of your majors being music business because you do have to look at it from a sales standpoint and, and what is, this may sound yeah. great to you and it might be what you intended, but if you intend to sell it, you probably need a little bit right. more of this or you need to dial back on yeah. some of this. Yeah, like, you know, the 10-minute guitar solo and the 16 <laughs> vocal uh, harmonies might be cool, but it's not feasible on stage and it's not sellable to radio stations, you know. And, of course, listeners, if you are just trying to record on your own or, you know, if you do have any say at the studio, Tascam has lots of solutions for you to record at home, whether you're recording demos, even if you're going to record an EP of your own, a single that you do plan on putting out for a release, they have everything from the equipment that Chase and I are using right now, something like these microphones, the headphones that I'm wearing, this handheld recorder that we're recording into, all the way up to the mixer that they're showing over at their booth here at the Summer NAM show, which obviously this episode is going to come out long after it. It's not open to the public, but the bottom line is you can go to Tascam.com and see all the different recording solutions that they have. I've talked on other episodes. Uh, when we talked to Biebs, she was using the DR10 series for the audio for her videos. So there's a lot of different applications for Tascam products with what you're doing, even recording your live shows. Check them all out at Tascam.com. That, of course, is T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Chase, a very impressive resume here for someone as, as young as you. I talked before about the... Lee Rittenauer's Six String Theory Guitar Contest, but you've got things. You were featured in American Blues Scene Magazine as a top 10 artist under 18 that you need to know. You were named a 2016 top 5 artist to know by Blues Rock Review. How how do all these things make you feel as I sit here and read them off? I mean, is it <laughs> is it, you know, yeah, of course, Bruce, like that's where I'm going with I want to be the best, or is it still like, yeah, I still can't believe it when you read those off? I mean... I've definitely had a few uh, mentions in different magazines that uh, that sh- surprised me for sure. Um, one of them was uh, Guitar Player Magazine and Ultimate Guitar. That uh, because like I feel like maybe I just don't uh, grasp the the amount to which I have my name out there right now. But I just don't feel like I'm that big of a deal. But, you know, if those people want to write about me, it's, it's what but it is. But these things you know? that I just read off, those two examples, we'll just, yeah. we'll just focus on those. Is this them finding you on their own and them deciding on their own that Chase Walker needs to be a part of this? Or are you proactively going out and trying to get on these lists and trying to get these recognitions? Um, I think in the beginning we were submitting to things a little bit more, trying to get my name out there. Um, but recently at least all the ones that i've seen recently we hadn't sent anything to them um and i think it just comes from us being able to uh to grow our fan base online and um and you know just get my name out there uh um yeah and to be honest like i have no idea where these people find me man like (laughs) (laughs) uh, i get calls sometimes that just like out of the blue like i got called from um uh, Bernie Sanders campaign manager to go play a show for them from wow. someone that they had heard about me from the Fox Theater that he spoke at in Riverside. Wow. It was like, wow, that came out of left field, you know, but it's great. That's, those are the opportunities that you prepare yourself for that when they come, you can 
you know, exploit them as, as much as possible. I'm interested in the fact that you're here in Nashville. I know it's for school, but, you know, there's, and we talked about this on some of the recent episodes about the fact that, you know, Nashville is doing a good job of, of kind of pushing away the old stereotype that there's only country music being done here. I mean, we're talking a lot about blues music with you, and you said that you're originally from California. I mean, if people are going to say, well, you know, you need to go where blues is, they might say Memphis, they might say it's it's very subjective. But I'm, I'm still interested, though, in you pursuing blues and saying, I want to go to school at Belmont. And this isn't a question about the university so much as it is. Mm-hmm. Did you consider trying to go to a more blues hotbed and say there's a good school there or I want to go there because it's the blues hotbed and I'll just go to college online? Well... I had initially been really interested in going to school in New Orleans um, at Loyola University. Um, But what I realized is, like, as much as the music is great there, and I would love to live in New Orleans, like, it's one of my favorite places ever, um, you you can't really beat the amount of music industry that's present at Belmont, you know? Like, if if you're... playing your cards right i suppose if you're doing the right things if you're getting out there and talking to people and you know networking and uh you're pretty much getting your foot in the door in the music industry immediately out of college you know because they're all the people that work there and many of the people that work on 16th avenue in the music industry graduated from belmont and many people that work at belmont work in the in the music industry on 16th avenue so it's it's all an interconnected deal um as far as the blues goes, honestly, there, like a lot of the places that I've been to, like Memphis and Chicago, there are definite hotbeds for blues, but they're all different kinds of blues, you know. And I think it's more important than just being in those places if you wanna, if you wanna be better as a blues artist, would be to really study the original blues greats and what it is that made them great. Because I feel like a lot of artists uh, focus on the wrong things. They focus on the raspiness of their voice, or you know, they, they got a growl on this note, or you know, the the right kind of hat to wear, or whatever. <laughs> and it's not really any of that. You gotta you gotta think about what it what was it that people loved about these guys in their time. You know, what what was it in their passion, in their playing that that made them great. And how can you apply that to music that might be a little more modern and resonate with some of the younger crowd, you know? Obviously, that's not been, I'll say, it's not been something that has held you back that blues isn't the number one genre with people your age. Who are you trying to appeal to with your music? Because I think there's also the struggle that blues seems to be and this is just my opinion so Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it's right blues seems to be for when i say a little bit older crowd i'm not Mm -hmm. talking 60 years old but i'm talking about people who might not go to spotify right away people who might not go to itunes right away has that been a consideration i mean obviously it hasn't stopped you and it hasn't bothered you well blues definitely has an older demographic um which can also change the way that you have to sell your music um, because, as you said, like the older demographic isn't going to be as hip to Spotify or Instagram or Facebook and all that. And uh, as well, a lot of the older crowd likes buying physical CDs more. Um, so 
the main thing is, is it really changes around your business plan based on which demographic you're trying to get to. Um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely agree at, uh, I definitely agree with you that it's definitely like younger people, I feel like have a harder time getting into the blues, but, um, I feel like for a lot of my career, I've been focusing very heavily on my blues influences and, and, and that sort of thing. And just recently I've been trying to get into more modern music just to see what it is that people see in it. You know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of people out there, they're into classic stuff. They're into 60s, 70s, or earlier, and they think that new music is absolute garbage. But the thing is, is it's selling. You know, there are people, there's some people out there that resonate with it in some way, you know? And I feel like there's an opportunity there to figure out how to send a message to people that they might might not have heard before. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if you're self-taught, seriously consider taking lessons. I know some people are truly gifted with a great voice, but a classically trained voice coach is still going to know a whole lot more than you, and you will only stand to sound better. The same thing with guitar. I have often heard people admit that they're not that good at guitar and quote-unquote just get by, but that's easily rectified. Yes, these things cost money, but you always have to look at them as investing in yourself, investing in your career. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. I wonder, being here in Nashville for school, obviously you're recording here too, but how does that, has it become a problem? Does it limit your ability if you say, I do want to go play shows in New Orleans, or I do want to go play, I'll say Chicago instead of Memphis, since mm-hmm. it's in the same state. But has that limited your ability to say, well, I need to, you know, quote unquote, go on tour. I need to go and play in other cities. Is it difficult because you're here for school and you're also recording? So there's a lot of reasons compelling you to hang around Nashville, which, which you know, doesn't help because you're not going to go play downtown. You're not going to go play at a writer's night where people are doing mostly country music. Right. Yeah. Um, not to mention that they're not paying anyone to play in Nashville. <laughs> right. That is true. It's, it's a lot of free gigs in Nashville. Um, but a lot of good music, though, too. Um, it, is, it is tough to tour when you also have to go to school for you know six months out of the year. Um, and when we, you're trying to record, too. Oh, yeah. Fortunately, we were able to go on a summer-long tour last summer um, that was coast-to-coast and... Uh, we ended up not losing any money, so that was great because that's a very serious <laughs> danger for a lot of people on their first time touring. But um, honestly, if you want to tour, Nashville would be the place to live because it's centrally located to 
the United States. So about 40% of the country is within a day's drive, basically, um, as opposed to California, where you have to get across miles and miles and miles of desert before you get to the rest of the country. You know? <laughs> um, so um, as far as staying in Nashville, what really keeps me here is, again, the industry. Um, and the community of musicians is just fantastic, uh, which honestly to me makes it a little even easier to, to go out and tour and do that sort of thing. And um, as far as the recording thing goes, Belmont actually offers uh, options for students to be able to record for free. Wow. Now, I haven't really hit that up as much, mostly because um, I feel like the, the people that you work with in the recording studio make a gigantic difference uh, in the amount of time that it takes you to record and in the quality of recording that you're going to get out of it. So while the Belmont studios are great, they don't have uh, like professionals in the industry running them. You're, you're going to have to run them with your own you know, fellow students. Mm-hmm. And while I think you could definitely get some cool stuff out of that, it's just going to take you a long time to do and you might not get as cool a stuff as if you worked with, you know, the professionals that have been doing it for 20 years. Well, and you're, I'm going to say you're probably going to get a more efficient production out of going to a studio. And then that does allow you to go out and do things like live shows and, and tour, you know, perhaps even at a time when you thought might not be possible. And listeners, I got to tell you, Chase has been playing shows, hundreds of shows, mind you, hundreds of shows. He mentioned last summer but hundreds of shows. He's been playing shows since 2012. Yeah. And the first ever teen blues trio to perform. Here we go again with a, a reference to Biebs, the uh, the Vans Warp Tour. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely an interesting show. I w- like, we got on that um, through a battle of the bands. Uh, that was like the pri- the big prize was getting to play the Vans Warp Tour. And... Uh, to be honest, like I wasn't quite sure how people were going to take us because it's such a, it's it's a very pop and metal festival. Like that's their bread and butter is pop metal, metal, dark stuff, things people uh, mosh to basically. You know what I mean? Um, and as a young blues trio, we're not doing any of that. So I was surprised though to find that we we did get a, a pretty good reception from from that crowd. And we ended up getting a lot of the uh, the parents that took their kids ah. there because, you know, the parents aren't as into that stuff as, as the kids are. So we ended up getting a lot of them coming over to our stage and, and relaxing for a bit, you know, outside of the mosh pits that were happen, happening at the other stages. Okay, so two follow-up questions to that. The first one is, what year was that? I don't. I don't, honestly don't remember. Okay, but was it was it one show? Was it a handful of shows, we, or was it the entire Vans Warp Tour? Uh, we um, we ended up playing. It was just the Pomona date for the Vans Warp Tour, but we played it like a couple years. So ah, yeah. okay, okay. So the follow up question to that: you mentioned you were saying we in the, in the mm-hmm. context of a band. The band has changed yeah. over the years, though. Just tell the listeners about that because, you know, we do also have, obviously, there's people who are listening because they're fans, family, friends, followers of Chase Walker, but we've been blessed to get listeners from 134 countries around the world to the show. So there's people that are just being introduced to Chase Walker for the first time. So just kind of describe 
uh, the way yeah. it's changed over the years, and then you know what they would see now if they went to see a live Chase Walker show. Well, my initial band I met while I was in high school. Um, uh, my bass player, Randon, I actually met at an arts high school that I was going to, and the my drummer, uh, Matt, um, I met at a blues camp while I was, I think I was going to high school. But um, it was either while I was in high school or previously. Um, but I had had them together as a group for the entire time while we were through high school, and once we got to where we were all graduating, we kind of realized, like, you know, well, for one thing, a few of the members of the band weren't thinking of being professional musicians, Mm -hmm. you know, so they were wanting to go to college to do their own thing, um, which, you know, I can't can't fault them for. Um, And I was wanting to go out to Nashville, and I can't, like, ask them to to drop what they're doing and just come out to Nashville with me. Um, So I ended up, after high school, starting a new band out here, um, but what I quickly realized was it's, it's a lot harder to find musicians at an older age who are as committed to just being in your band, especially in Nashville, because most of the musicians here are work for hire musicians who make their money by playing with a bunch of different bands. Um, so what I basically started doing is, is hiring out musicians on a show-by-show basis. The musicians that I toured with all of last summer, I had met um, primarily at the jams around around Nashville, um, as well as uh, my drummer I had met at Belmont. So, I guess all that is to say that uh, that while having a a set band is like one of the best things in the world because you guys get as tight as you can be you know you get way tighter than than a hired out band um and it's everyone is centrally focused on the sound you know and and centrally focused on the well-being of the band there is no beating that but that is something that's hard to obtain because you have to get people who are equally as invested in the in the success of your band as you are and you know in a town like nashville it's just really hard to find when you said that you did put a band together when you first got here and then eventually came to this realization that it's just going to be really tough did you ever get to a point where you sat down with those guys and said look what is it going to take for me to convince you to be part of the chase walker band and and leave behind these opportunities to be a hired gun or did you just kind of come to grips with it on your own and go you know what look i've just got to well, Move forward. the way I really kind of, the way I came to that realization is I didn't want their, like the money that I was paying them per show to be varied upon what I was getting paid per show. I wanted mm. them to have, you know, a set rate that, yeah, they, that they could, could always on, count on. Yeah. You know, um, and, and that's really the problem is that if you want people to be committed to the success of your band, they all have to be as invested as you are. So that has to be the case. You ha- they have to, to basically be making the same money as you to be able to be invested in your band. Um, so it's just it's one of those things that's just tough to, uh, to, to get people who are willing to join a band 
just because they believe in it, even if they won't make any money. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because in Nashville, everybody's got to make money. Yeah, you know? and, in, and in other cities, too. Yeah, that. <laughs> Everybody's got bills to pay. Yeah. Listeners, uh, the past couple of weeks, you've started hearing me talk about Boulder Creek guitars, but I want to clarify that they also do basses and ukuleles. In fact, back on episode 218, my guest, uh, and this was when we were at the Winter NAM show in Anaheim in January, my guest was Love and a 38 bass player Justin Emmerd, who is a Boulder Creek guitars artist, as are others like none other than Lee Bryce, there's a big country name that everybody knows. He plays the Boulder Creek Solitaire OM guitar. Heck, Sarah McLaughlin plays the Boulder Creek Concert Ukulele. For that matter, even yours truly plays a Boulder Creek guitar. The names are great to know, but the sound, of course, is what really matters. Read more about what makes Boulder Creek guitars so different at bouldercreekguitars.com. It's B-O-U-L-D-E-R, bouldercreekguitars.com. Chase, we won't spend too much time on it, but uh, I think I'm required by podcast law is what I said a couple weeks ago when uh, Gigi Rich was the guest on the show. You made a brief appearance on The Voice in yeah. 2016. Yeah, that was that was a really crazy experience, man. Um, to be honest, like I, I would have thought that the way they produced that show was much more... Uh, contesty like than than uh, or contest like than uh, than it was. I mean, as far as those shows, as far as those reality TV contest shows go, I'm not a big fan of a lot of them. But the producers of The Voice, I will give them this: that they do it right. They do it the right way. They treat it like a real TV show. They're not trying to embarrass people they're not trying to bring people on just because they're bad um you know and it's it's a it's a real production you know what i mean i've i've also i've also done the american idol deal and they do it very differently i'm not gonna go into that but i will say that that the voice was the right way to go about it um and you know going on stuff like that it's always a, a big opportunity to get exposure and all that and i'm just really glad that they did air at least a little bit of my segment just so that i get to say that i was on the show mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so. uh listeners i said this two weeks ago when i did interview gg rich i'll say it again there have been a lot of people on the show who have been on american idol the voice america's got talent the x factor if you don't know who those were, you want to go back and listen to those episodes, just send me an email at podcast at nhte.net, and I will send you back a list of which episodes those were and who the guests were and what show they were on. In the meantime, Chase, it's fitting since we're here at the NAM show, and sometimes I'm a little reluctant to ask this question because I don't want a guest to forget anybody, but I do have to point out to the listeners that you do have a number of endorsement deals. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I... Um Man, I, 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 yeah, that is a big problem. I don't want to forget anybody. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm endorsed by, uh, well, for starters, QSC Audio, as well as uh, Quilter, uh, Quilter Labs, which are two related companies. Um, I'm endorsed by Heil Microphones, as well as just recently uh, Gator sent me a few cases to try out and bring to this show, which I'm absolutely loving so far so that's pretty great um are you getting all these on your own how are you getting so many different endorsement deals you know it's it are you getting them by coming a lot to of nam them is coming to nam 
because you get in f- yourself in front of the people and you know they they interact with you. I think um, another big thing is I was able to play the Winter Nam show uh, for 2018, this last one that just happened, uh, with my band, and so a lot of the uh, companies were you know sitting at the bar while we were playing, which is which is a nice thing to have because I feel like a lot of times people don't quite grasp where you're coming from if you're just telling them that you're an artist and you're telling them about your music like they don't register as much as mm-hmm. if they heard you first and then they get to talk to you interesting um but you know i'm i'm never the kind of person who's walking around talking to people just because i want to get a deal from them you know what i mean like like if i'm talking to you at nam it's because i'm actually really interested in, in whatever product it is that that i'm looking at you know what i mean yeah, you're not going um, up and down every aisle, booth to yeah. booth to booth to booth, yeah. saying whoever gives me cards left yeah. and right. Whoever know, wants to give me an endorsement deal, I'll take it. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm never going to accept an endorsement deal if it's a company that I don't you know truly truly believe in because I've had quite a few endorsement offers that were just from companies that I wasn't all that interested in or had you know, other endorsements for that kind of gear already. You know, that's good. That's good. There's a uh, quote out there that I have to cite because it's from somebody who I've always really liked, and that's Kenny Loggins. There's a quote out there from him. Obviously, he saw your band perform because the quote is, they blew me away. Oh, yeah. Do you know where he saw your band perform? Real quick, before we move on, because I did forget. I don't want to leave out. Big Hog Cables and uh, Ernie Ball and Music Man. Okay. Big endorsements of mine. The uh, Kenny Loggins quote, where did he see your band that he was in a position to say that? We got a big opportunity to open for Kenny Loggins when he came to Riverside to play the Fox Theater. Um, And that was was an incredible show because he had sold out the place. And, you know, playing to a a 2,000-seat venue that's sold out is like a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. For some, hopefully not for me. Hopefully I can get to that level of success where I can sell out a 2,000-seat venue. But um, How did you even get the opportunity to open for him in the first place? Um, through, I think, some of the same people that, that hooked up the Bernie Sanders gig. There, there's like a community of people who work the okay. venues in Riverside. Okay. Wow. Um, and I was able to get my, uh, my name in there with them. And, uh, and they, a lot of times what they do is they'll submit, you know, three or four artists to the person who's picking the opener or whatever and uh, that person will pick the best person they like out of the list um so fortunately we are we were able to get on that gig and uh kenny loggins ended up uh really being impressed with our stuff and uh it's funny we were we uh after the show we ended up going out to breakfast with uh his daughter and her friend um which was really cool to get to know them a little bit more but, uh, yeah, Kenny, Kenny's a really cool guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. What a great story. And, uh, listeners, I should mention, Chase has had the opportunity to also play another very well-known music venue. That is the Viper Room. He's played NAMM shows, numerous locations in California. He's also played in Kansas, Alabama, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Texas. Wow, this is, uh, this is quite an impressive resume that you're building up. We haven't, we haven't addressed it, but, but can I ask how old you are? Um, nineteen. Still. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> oh my gosh! Unfortunately, it's hard to get into some bars as well as some hotel rooms. But you know, we make well, it work. <laughs> Jace, we're going to close today with a song of yours called "The Walk." Before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song. 
So this is a song uh, that I wrote when I was in high school. Um, it was inspired by a math class that I had that had, like, I don't know if this was like a planned deal or what happened, but it had an unusual amount of the super attractive girls at my high school. Like, <laughs> normally you'll see, you know, one or two, like, gorgeous women in your classroom at most but this classroom was like filled with them and so it made it like really hard to concentrate on what the teacher was trying to teach us you know as far as math was concerned but it made for a really good uh, good song so so where does the title the walk come from uh the walk is the the walk that girls would do as they walk from the back of the classroom up to the board uh, and the, okay. uh you know okay the head tilt that all the guys would do you know <laughs> as they walk past i love it i love it well uh listeners we're going to play that here in just a minute but first i have to thank chase for your time uh enjoyed meeting you, you and talking man. to you and uh really grateful for your for your coming on the show and and continued best with everything you're doing great stuff i can't believe you're only 19 <laughs> appreciate it bruce you bet Listeners, that'll do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Chase Walker. Visit his official website, chasewalkerband.com. And obviously they are on social media. So engage with Chase on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's links to all of these from chasewalkerband.com. Chase Walker Band on Spotify. There's music available to purchase on iTunes and Amazon Music. And by all means, keep up with Chase online. As you heard him say, there's a new recording project in the works. So there will be news and information posted when there's updates available so that you can get his new music as it comes out. Remember, there are already two releases previously by Chase. You'll want to look for those, as I mentioned, iTunes, Amazon Music, and, of course, Chase Walker Band on Spotify. As for our show, we are on numerous social media platforms and podcasting platforms. You want to start at nhte.net, and from there, there are icons that you can click on for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then, of course, all the podcast platforms that I mentioned at the beginning of this show. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Chase Walker. This is the one he just talked about. It's called The Walk.
Passion is a passion.